Welcome to What in Tarnation, a UNC hot take podcast. On this episode, we're discussing UNC's loss to Pitt and looking ahead to the Duke game. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me as always are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. I would ask how everyone's doing, but I think we know. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> what what stage of grief are you in? <laughs> acceptance? Have we made it to acceptance? Yes, for me, yes. I feel like it took me so long earlier today to revisit the black box, and when I did, I got mad all over again. I think I am. I think I am in the anger stage. Honestly, um, it doesn't help to pull up the stats for this podcast and have to look at all of it again. Would have much rather just uh, left that behind. But here we are. And even worse is there was some screenshots or whatever you wanted to call them, pictures um, that were tweeted out today showing some things that we'll, we'll get into it. But I, I'm just like, I don't know how you fix this. Yeah, so in a in a one-point loss, uh, I feel like you can point to almost anything and uh, say, well, if, if that's different, then the result is different. Um, missing nine free throws is a great place to start when wanting to place blame anywhere. Um Obviously, UNC has had a big advantage in free throw shooting. Uh, It's been a much contested part of the last couple games. And this was not an exception. They uh, shot twice as many free throws as Pitt did. Um, But they left a good amount of points out there. And, I mean, that's that's always going to be super frustrating. Um... I know a lot of those were Baycott, and big men generally aren't the most reliable free throw shooters, but uh, still, still painful. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why he was missing so many free throws. That was, I mean, he's not a super accurate free throw shooter, as you've mentioned, but I mean, he's still He's better. usually solid. Exactly. Um, he It just felt like he was off, um, which is unfortunate because, I mean, he is the free throw shooter on this team. Like, I think I saw something saying he's in, like, the top 10 of players that shoot the most free throws. Um, I believe that. So, I mean, a lot of it is on his shoulders. And unfortunately, what that means is, you know, he he has to be accurate with the shots. Um it just wasn't working for him. I don't I don't think there's much else you can say other than you just gotta knock those down. Yeah, no, I agree. Um he's usually solid and you know, if you want to throw around the word clutch, you know, if you're not actually if you're not actually able to finish or you're you know getting to the line there in a close game that you're trailing behind by you know closely there uh, as the clock ticks down you got to make those um you just have to find a way to do it but 
I think another thing that stood out to me, uh, UNC didn't score a field goal for the last almost four minutes of the game. Um, When it was right there for them, it seemed like they struggled to get stops on the defensive end, and then they weren't making shots on the offensive end. And that's obviously a really bad combination. Um, It helped them kind of, I mean, they even took a very brief lead there toward the end. But um, if one or two of those possessions goes a different way, um, we're having a different conversation. I know at least one of those I directly attribute to Leaky Black's foul trouble. Um, He was having to play way more careful than I think he would have otherwise. Um, I have a lot of feelings about particularly his fourth foul. um, And how, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about the officiating in this game in general, but particularly his fourth foul, I thought was just absolute nonsense. And um, the fact that he was hit with two in rapid succession is really what changed the game because Pitt went on just an absolutely gigantic run uh, when Leakey went to the bench. Yeah, it felt like Pitt knew what to do once that happened. Like, I mean, that's kind of a weird way to put it, but I feel like they knew they had the green light to impose their will on the heels. And like, they were also just better at playing the game as it was being called. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Because they were throwing haymakers out there. Um, and I mean, to their credit, uh, it, it worked. They did send UNC to the free throw line 22 times, but when UNC's not converting those at a high enough clip, you know, you might as well play that way if they're going to let you get away with it. Yeah, especially Jamarius Burden. He was throwing himself around something crazy. He was getting away with some pushing. I'm not saying UNC didn't push at all. I'm just saying I noticed some pushing. Um, But, like, they they were basically – chasing fouls in a way I, I think that's a good way to put it because i mean some of that stuff that they were doing i mean they were they ended up getting unc in foul trouble and i mean it was either that or they were knocking down the shots and what that ended up translating into mm-hmm. was demarco dunn guarding burden and that was a recipe for 50 shades of disaster yeah um I agree, and I got a couple of things on that. So there's like one thing to note. I can't remember exactly how many we ended up with, but there were 24 fouls called five minutes into the second half. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and then um, the second thing that I have is uh, when you say that Pitt knew what to do, I think the game plan all along and this – you know, if if I were an opposing team, I would certainly be doing this, especially with the way the officiating is and the way that we've been lately with um, free throws. You get this team a little rattled when you get a little physical. Yeah. 
But and I'm not saying that they don't return that. They don't always return that. But I'm not. I'm not saying that they don't return it as a whole. But you know, they're playing and hoping for a foul quite a bit instead of playing to finish. At, at least in my opinion. And they seem to melt down a bit if those fouls don't get called the way that they think they should. And, you know, I'm sure we all sit here at home and yell, you know, that was a foul and all of that. But it it has definitely seemed like that has impacted their composure at times. And you can kind of just see, like, if they're not getting those calls, um, it's sort of bad body language comes in and things seem to just not go well. Um, So you're absolutely right. Like, if you're an opposing team, why would you not say, like, rough them up a little bit, see what happens, and see if you can just make them more or less lose their cool. And NC State tried that, right? So they they basically tried the pit script. I mean, I feel like that's NC State's script in general, but they really tried it and it didn't go in their favor, which might be why they're so mad about it still. I don't know. But, um, yeah, this this team needs to just make peace with the fact that the referees are so bad this season that you cannot go out there expecting to get what you want ever like that's true any basketball season but i feel like right now especially like if you think you're going to get this call that call or the other don't it it's it's pointless and <clears throat> They've been so bad so far this season, and we are so deep into this season. If that's not something that you realize to this point, I don't think you will. Right. But also, I feel like you can't exactly complain about the officiating when you're getting to the line like they are. Right. And it's kind of on, like, if your whole like ethos basically is we're going to be a team that gets to the line. You have to make them. Well, and even more important than that is like you, you just cannot base your entire offense around getting to the free throw line. You know what you can do though is shoot better than 19% from three shoot better than 35% from the field. Like these are things that you have to do if you're going to make any kind of run in the tournament. If you're going to get into the tournament, like you have to do these things. My overall concern about it is it does seem it does seem like for for whatever reason um we actually have to run a set to get the ball to Baycott more often than not especially in the first half when this core group, at least four out of the five have been playing together for how long? Like you, you see how much, the, how, how much the, the game changes, you know, if Baycott is getting his touches, you know, or whatever, but that's still a thing. Like that's not players on the court aren't necessarily looking for that. And at one point last night, 
I wanted I was I was like, hey, I'll give Pitt credit because because they are being effective with the double team, but there were a lot of times where Baycott was wide open and we didn't even try. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I mean, so the screenshots that I mentioned earlier, um I think it was Taylor I'm not gonna try to pronounce his like is it Vapolis? Vipolis. Vipolis, okay. <laughs> Taylor Vipolis. He tweeted two screenshots, and it was basically showing how there was four people out on the perimeter. There was Baycott in the middle, and Pitt's defense was basically double-teamed on Baycott. Everybody was assigned three of the four out on the perimeter, and Leakey was left wide open. The guy that's supposed to be guarding him was basically – I mean, he wasn't completely double-teaming Baycott, but he was, like, right there. Um, But to your point, there's times where that wasn't happening, and it's like you have to get it to him in those, like, situations so that he could get a quick bucket because, like, teams aren't letting him post up anymore. He can't dribble a bunch. Like, you have to get it to him when he's able to, like, at most – get one or two dribbles and go up for, you know, go up to the rim. But they took 56 shots that did not come from Armando Baycott, which I just don't feel like is a recipe for you to do well. No, and it's just like they were saying whenever we first got started, right? Um, we hit a couple of threes. Everybody, uh, you know, perimeter shooting's feeling pretty good. Let's forget our identity. Um, and I, well, I guess I guess I had to take I had to take that back because that's been sort of the the recipe to, or that's sort of been the start to our games like this season, right? Um, try to hit a couple of perimeter shots, right? Instead of working it inside. Just so happened that last night, you know, they made some, but usually they don't kind of thing. And then, you know, dig yourself uh, a hole kind of early or whatever. But, um, and Tanya, were you talking about the uh, scoring drought that we went in, which has also been prevalent this season, mm-hmm. right? They had one, if I'm not mistaken, that was double that in the first half. Good Lord. And you just, you can't, I mean, I think I pointed this out very early in the season um, and it was much, you know, we didn't have as much data on this team then as we do now, but I pointed out that like good teams are not going to let you go five, seven minutes without scoring and you can still expect to win. Like more often than not, you just can't afford that kind of drought. And it has been sort of a hallmark of this season and a very frustrating one. And one that I would say comes from extremely poor decision-making, really bad shots that end up runouts on the other end, not getting to be set and run an actual play. Um, It just is like a... It's like a truck running downhill, um, and it kind of feeds itself off the momentum in in a really bad way. 
I feel like sometimes when I'm watching this team, I I'm watching. It's almost like I'm watching somebody play NBA 2K for the first time where they're like trying to imitate what's happening in the NBA. Like, for example, Caleb Love. He he made shots last night. I want to get that out of the way. He made shots. But the problem was that when he started making shots, he felt like running sets just didn't exist anymore. And he was he he got the ball, he was dribbling, and would throw up a three. Now, first off, he's way better of a shooter when he's not shooting off the dribble, and he insists on keep continuing to do that, but whatever. But like the other thing is just like you're not Trey Young. I cannot emphasize that enough. You are not Trey Young. You are not Steph Curry. You are not some of these guys where like they make one, they start feeling good, and then they make like five in a row. Like that's not you. That's not your identity. So at least one thing that we can say is uh, I'll give him a point for consistency because the way he started that game has been the way that he has often started games. And it just so happened that last night, you know, he hit a couple, which, as you said, uh, his making shots begot more shot attempts. Uh, you know, on behalf of himself kind of thing. But <laughs> he didn't do anything that we haven't seen him do, you know, over the course of the season. It just so happened, again, it just so happened that he, he, made, he made them. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's my uh, analogy of it is he his, like, first shot of the game is a heat check without actually making anything, yeah. uh, you know. And it, it's funny that now, like, I feel like we've been banging this drum for most of this season. It's kind of funny that now um, the announcers are starting to bang that drum when he shoots uh, sort of the more ill-advised threes. Um, but we've seen when Caleb is successful, he is driving and getting sh- like jumpers inside the perimeter um he's not he doesn't have to be the guy that exclusively pulls up from 3 to help this team and in fact i would argue that um when he plays that guy he is more to the team's detriment than their assistance um I don't know what the disconnect is there because, you know, every once in a while we will see the Caleb that is the effective Caleb. Um, and we will, I, I will believe for a brief moment in time that maybe he's, you know, something's finally clicked. Um, but then we go back to like NBA plus range, uh, three point attempts three seconds after crossing the timeline and it's just like we didn't need to do that i don't know why you why we decided to do that because we didn't need to do that right and i guess the other problem with the three-point shooting last night was rj davis um he i i didn't 
really remember, I think until we were talking about it, Tanya, that he had jammed his finger. And I think it was inside Carolina. They mentioned that I think it was maybe a year ago he had done that too. And he was saying the way they have to like tape it or something, like it, it just messes your ability to shoot all the way up. Um, I think two things with that, one being that sucks. And I guess you just kind of have to play through it. But also I feel like if you play through it, you kind of have to be, you, you kind of can't be taking like 15 shots. Maybe you take like eight. I mean, there was bigger problems last night, I, I feel like, but it just seemed like. <laughs> but also if, if RJ's finger is going to bother him for any length of time, this team is in some very unfortunate deep trouble because his shooting in January is really what got them to this point. Um, And I absolutely fear uh, what happens if this takes, I I don't know. It's obviously not an immense injury that's going to like keep him out, but if it, affects his shot just enough the next two, three, four games could be pretty ugly. Yeah, and bringing out a little bit of the optimist in me, I will say that maybe I'm going to go the SEC route and say that the ACC, the ACC, at least in men's basketball and women's basketball too, because that, that's a, that's a tight race too. Um, men's basketball, we're beating each other up for all the faults that Carolina has. Um, you know, got to make sure that we can actually get into the tournament right and stay in there, no matter what happens with RJ's uh, finger or otherwise. And Dare I say that we're a little better off in the tournament than we are in, in conference play? I I don't know. Like the metrics that I've seen and the rankings that I've seen for um, ACC basketball, I believe are off. And if they're and if they're not, I mean they're 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 close together, but they're lower than what I would than what I would have. Right. So I don't know if if there's some optimism for me there is that if we can get to the tournament similar to last year. Um, maybe, just maybe, we'll be a little better off. But that's not, that's all I got for you on the optimism side. There. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, I, I don't know. There's something about this team. I feel like once they get out of AC, I mean, I guess we really only have the one solid sample size, right? Like it was last year. They got to March. They went on a tear. Um I feel like this team weirdly likes the spotlight in a way. Um, Like ruining Coach K's final game, showing out in the NCAA tournament, beating Duke in the final four. Like there's just, especially, and like I will say this, for all of the bad things that we've said about Caleb Love, the one thing that he does, and it's going to play a factor maybe, Saturday is like when 
he knows it's like a big, big thing, he, he kind of shows out. Um, you hope that that continues. You hope, right. It's not guaranteed, but you can only hope that it's like in his DNA and it's not just like a big coincidence that's been going on for his entire UNC career. I think my well, thing just is that um, he is not shooting nearly as well as he was a year ago. But if you remember, he was bad his freshman year, and then he played Duke, and he was like, oh, by the way, I'm actually good. And it was just like, where did this come from? Yeah, I was about to say, his cure um, is usually you know, close to either close to or getting into the Duke game, which weirdly, I know, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I felt and still feel better about the Duke game than I did about Pitt. Because I've seen Duke play. Yeah. Yes. Um, I wish that I could say that I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel good about either game. Um, I haven't that, seen I the pit yeah. game. I feel less good about the two. <laughs> when I say I felt the best, but if I, if you if you would have asked me a couple of days ago which game do you think you're going to win as opposed to not, um, I, def- I would have said Duke, and I still say that. Um, just again, because I've seen Duke, I've seen Duke play. Uh, it's not been pretty. <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and get into that because I feel like I have a couple takes with it. <laughs> so yeah. Duke, Saturday, Cameron Indoor. Um, So I was listening to Tyler Hansborough's podcast that he does with um, Brandon, forget his last name all the time, Um, but it's the uh, Sleep Hawk podcast. Um, They were talking a little bit about Duke, and they were talking about John Shire. And um, I think what their take was on him was that they don't see, I guess, the way he coaches being sustainable with the program, not necessarily as like a head coach, but with the program. The reason I bring that up is I feel like the difference between Pitt and Duke is Capel is a pretty cutthroat guy, even if it's very dirty. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, (laughs) I feel like what I've seen from Duke and John Shire has been more like more like us some years, but maybe I don't know. Like it, it, it hasn't felt like a Coach K team. It it's definitely like his own brand, but I don't know that I think it's anything special quite yet. What I'm hearing is that you think that he has them playing soft. Er than K had him playing. I'd call it weaker, perhaps. Yeah. Not necessarily. It's just not being not being good. Like we've had or even the game, you know, that we were just talking about with like our scoring drops and stuff with Pitt. And I feel like Duke has had a dose of that on steroids, like game after game. Yeah. Um and not even, you know, not necessarily five or six minute scoring drop, which I believe that which they have, at least the snippets of games that I've watched, but um, lack of finish and you know, lack of motivation, just overall. And um, to revisit the whole Pitt versus Duke thing too, I felt like Pitt 
could beat us straight up. I felt like if we went to Durham and lost, it was because we didn't play to, you know, we didn't play like we should have. Yeah. Maybe Shire should take away their Duke gear. <laughs> I was going to tweet that and I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> Has he considered that move? I will say the the toughness that does come out of Duke has to do with Kyle Filipowski. That guy is just talented. Um, did, didn't he go out or something? What happened with him? Uh, did something happen with him? I I thought him. I thought I saw something. Did he actually get injured or something? No, he was playing a game, and somebody was like, "Without without Filipowski, um, Duke is very mid." And I was like, "Okay, what ha- what happened to him?" Oh. Yeah, I don't know if somebody was just speaking or not, but it's true. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even um, without Jeremy Roach, I feel like they were pretty mid. Yeah, and Roach hasn't been as good as people predicted him to that, you know, predicted that he was going to be this year. He's still doing pretty good. Um, like outside of those two, it, it's, who scares you? Nobody. Um, I mean, that's famous last words, I'm aware, because some eighth person on their depth chart will come along and rain threes or something. But Mark Mitchell looks like he is the precise candidate to fill the shoes of I'm going to shoot the lights out this one night. Thanks. I look forward to hating him. Yeah. He's shooting 48% from the field. He's shooting 39% from three. He's only averaging 9.1 points, but we've seen that before. Look forward to his 27-point performance. Exactly. His triple-double. Yeah. Um, just because that's how I expect it to go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a weird situation with the Duke game. Um I definitely don't have the sort of like, oh boy, the Duke game is coming feeling that I would normally have. And I don't know if that's because you know neither one of them are ranked or if it's because um, it's just, it feels different. I think it's not knowing what to expect from like in this new era of the rivalry there's also like not really like because Filipowski is a freshman um, and I feel like he's probably the closest thing to this but like there's not that guy that it's like when I see his face I just (laughs) want to punch it (laughs) They tried to make Filipowski that guy, but I guess maybe because Duke hasn't ascended to the heights that everyone thought, which I know, I, you know, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. But um, since they're not as successful as they normally are, you know, they're not quite so much highlighted um, right. as they would have been. So I, so if, if this would have been a top 10, top five Duke team, then sure, yeah. Filipowski probably would have been that guy. But yeah. I feel like I've only seen him, like, unless I was actually watching the Duke game, I think I've only seen him once. Yeah. And I feel like that 
you know, makes a difference. Um, Because there have been a line of just detestable characters. Oh, but don't worry. That they're going to slap the floor Saturday, and you're going to want to slap all of them. So. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That absolutely for sure. We're going to get the cheer sheet, and we're going to just be like the what first the- time they <laughs> flop. I will. I will be ready to burn Cameron door to the ground. <laughs> it's fine. I say all that comfortably from Thursday night and not Saturday evening. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I I can see ways that we will win. I can see ways that we will lose in frustrating fashion. Um, I think what keeps me optimistic is there's games like what Duke had against NC State where you're just like, okay, you can't handle taking punches very well either. Because, like, we've lost to Pitt in those two games by a total of three points. We beat NC State. So it's not like UNC is totally incapable of handling that stuff. But, like, Duke, I mean, I think they beat Pitt. But, like, (laughs) you can't lose to State like that ever, 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 ever. And it's just like I don't I don't know what's broken here, but y'all y'all are broken a little bit. I am going to forbid UNC guards from taking three pointers unless they are shooting fifty percent. Yes, absolutely. If you are not shooting fifty percent from the floor, you are not allowed to take another three until you are shooting fifty percent <laughs> from the floor, and then you may proceed. Morale has to improve. Yes. <laughs> absolute, <laughs> like, just ban on three-pointers if you're shooting less than 50% from the field will continue until morale improves. Um, I, I think this is a reasonable take. Um, yeah. That's my position. I'm just glad Brandon didn't go where I thought he was going to go when he was talking about how Duke can't like handle punches and stuff. Because I was like, please don't tell me you're thinking this is going to be like a 51-49 game. Because <laughs> <laughs> neither of us can score. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I just, I feel like both teams haven't, I mean, well, I take that back. I feel like both teams have proven they can take some punches, but I feel like Duke has taken the hardest punch in conference play so far. Tell me why it kind of feels like the Spider-Man pointing meme. It, it does. It does. Um, like both teams are kind of underachieving. Both teams kind of seem a little rattled by adversity. Yeah. The I I think the most like the big key in this game is probably going to be how they decide to deal with Baycott. If they feel confident enough to have Filipowski guard them one-on-one or if they're going to do what everybody else has been doing, which is either double teaming or having somebody ready to double team when he catches it in the post. And Baycott did not exonerate himself on that against Pitt. So if you're, smart in your planning you say he really struggled with that double team Mm -hmm. against Pitt we should do the same thing and 
On the flip side, if you're Hubert Davis in practice in the next 48 hours, you have Baycott double teamed around the clock. Yeah. He probably should not be allowed to get out of bed without being double teamed. <laughs> he hops out of the bed and Leaky and Nance are just right yes, there. <laughs> exactly. That's what I want to happen. So I guess I would say, at least from the little bit that I've watched Duke, I believe that that would affect them as equally as it would us. Yeah. And that cost would double team in a Baycott. For um, sure. I feel the same way. So we at least have that going for us. So I have a question for both of you. Just from let, let's step away from X's and O's just for like a brief second. How does this rivalry feel to both of you now that Roy Williams and Coach K are gone? Well, like I just said, I feel like it for I don't know if it's the Roy Williams Coach K of it all. Or the neither one of these teams is ranked of it all. Or the I don't know who, like, I could bump into pretty much their entire roster on the street and not know who they are of it all. Um, but it just, it hasn't felt the same. Um, that will all change when the game starts. And I'm... I'm ready to like, you know, rip them limb from limb from the couch. But um, for now, heading into the game, it's kind of like, I mean, I just don't know what to expect. For me, I don't want to say that it feels like, you know, any other game, because obviously it's not, it it won't ever be that way, but it's definitely not a, you know... Duke sucks weak kind of thing with the memes yeah. and you know I hate Duke and no I like I don't care and I don't think necessarily it's not it's not it's not the roar and K of it all it's just the fact that unless you know they actually met in the national championship game I don't think you can get better than last season right yeah I think one thing that I've struggled with a bit and I'm not saying that I miss him necessarily because. God knows I I don't, but what's been weird for me is realizing that Coach K was basically there my entire life. <laughs> he was a very good detestable figure. Like even yeah. like even if they had this team. Yeah. If Coach K was still there, he is your detestable figure. Yeah, he's still the Because villain. he would have done something stupid by now. Exactly. Like he would have locked him out of the locker room. Right. <laughs> right. He's like the Joker, and all of his teams have been like, you know, insert random Batman villains here, but like they're not the Joker. Um, And so now it's like having to recalibrate my brain and be like, all right. So as of right now, like UNC is the team with the better resume with their coach. Like, we made it to the national title game. Shire wasn't even coaching yet last year. You know, whatever. Um, And I feel like this is a weird reset because it's almost like waiting for Shire to either become the new Joker or 
somebody else will <laughs> if if he like you know if maybe he doesn't stick around and they're like no you're not enough like k and they go hire capo or something so far shire really hasn't said or done anything to me that makes me believe that even if they're successful um you know after this season or whatever that he's going to be the next joker because honestly every time i look at him i'm like man where did they pluck you out of Nike headquarters? Right. He just seems like a normal coach. He does not have that dog in him. Yeah. At least that we have <laughs> seen to this point. Like has has anyone ever have you actually even seen him mad? No. Not really. He's just We've seen Hubert mad was I mean that's that's awkward, but at least we've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Take the glasses off with the force from like, bruh. <laughs> this is all we're doing. Please keep them on. Right. We'll probably see him get mad. But even like I feel like if he does get mad, it'll be like, oh look, he's mad. <laughs> Cause it'll be like, it's yeah, I'm gonna call my attorney. <laughs> my father will not be pleased about this. Do you know who I am? Oh man, it, it just—it doesn't have like a level of hatred of that. Like, or who's another? Or Calipari? Oh God! Oh Cal God! Part. Yeah, Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. Yeah, he's pretty detestable. Um, but yeah, and I mean, like, I, I hope anybody listening doesn't get it twisted. We all still hate Duke a lot, yeah. tremendously. But it just—it has a different air to it, and it's weird. And, I mean, Julius's point is a good one. Like, I think a lot of people said it, and I I think we'll need more data before we uh, levy this claim for real. But, like, a lot of people said it after the Final Four, which was like, that's it. That's unless they meet in the national championship game forever and always, there's this final, you know, Thing that they can't outdo. Um, and I don't think that this season is the best season to determine that off of because both teams have not lived up to uh, their preseason billing. Um, so I guess stay tuned on that. But... Um, if <laughs> what if that game did kill it though? It it might have. I mean, and what's tough is like to your point, like they would have to make it to the national championship and play each other. But even then, like it's not against K. Like right. that was the other thing is like we beat a Hall of Fame coach that had a bunch of gold medals and championships and NBA players and like it's almost impossible to replicate that. Like I, to your point, still hate Duke, still loathe them. I'm sure I will like scream my head off some things that I would dare not repeat in <laughs> polite company on Saturday. Um, if Carolina loses, I will be down tremendously. Um, but I don't know. The vibes are weird. They're so weird. But it'll it'll be a game. 
It will never not be a game. They'll get another, like, Austin Rivers. Oh, yeah. They'll get another J.J. Reddick. Yeah. They'll come along. Yeah. And my hate fire will blossom once again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. You know, and, and again, Saturday Saturday could change everything again, right? Yeah. Um, depending on what happens there, because we, if we have another NC State situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, <laughs> can never rule it out, so... <laughs> So, you know, but, you know, dare I say right now, and again, I know we haven't played and I'll probably eat these words, but I'm looking forward. I am looking more forward to going to PNC right now than I am um, to go to Durham. More forward to yeah. going to PNC. Yeah, because we need to validate game one. Ah, ah, okay, okay. I'm with you now. I was going to say that's going to be, I mean, it's state, but like... <laughs> Uh, I can never give them any credit ever. The place is loud. That's that. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> a lot of people. I need a win and PNC to not only uh, clinch the sweep, but again, like I said, to validate game one and shut the state fans up. That's it. Yeah. Will it shut them up though? No. Actually, no. They'll, they'll move on to something else, but at least they won't be able to. Um, Print T-shirts about refs this time. So, but also Julius is veering into very dangerous territory, which is like validating state fans' brains <laughs> with like, oh, they, they consider us their big old rival now. Somewhere, some some Johnny State fan has just like gotten a tinge on his back, and he's like, I know it. They're thinking about us. Well, to be fair, it only happens once every six years. <laughs> so, and they're yeah. like, good enough for me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's got it. This will be a we'll, – we'll, we'll circle back here again in 2029. 20, it's very much like a parent driving their kids to McDonald's to shut them up instead of driving them to the McDonald's because they want to. It's like not being able to wait to get to PNC just so we could be done with this and hopefully win and just go on with our lives. Like, so how long ago was that was game one and they're still tweeting about UNC? Huh. Well, now they've moved on to UNC football too now, though. But I'm like, what? Y'all think more about UNC football than I think about UNC football, and that's... We haven't even talked about Mac Brown getting a one-year extension. That's how... <laughs> That's how much we've been thinking about it this week. <laughs> Which, shout out to Mac Brown. He got a one-year extension. It goes till 2028. He'll probably retire before then. So just throwing that out there. Yeah, you know, that's just a class thing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. And um, if we if we come to you... Saturday night with an emergency podcast, you will know it either went really well or really badly. And uh, I don't know which one. So uh, I'm going to have to have the bleep button ready. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. But um, in the meantime, where can the people find you? 
the way Twitter's been going, I might have to give my net, uh, Mastodon <laughs> username. Somebody uh, keeps asking me about doing that, by the way. Uh, I won't get into it now, but it confuses me greatly. Um, <laughs> anyways, you can find me at THB Brandon <laughs> on Twitter. You can find me at UNC underscore Tar Heel fan. I am at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Till next time, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels.